Hey everybody, Paul here. Just a quick note at the beginning of this show, you may have noticed that the description for this episode seems suspiciously familiar. Yeah, we had a few uh, personal issues uh, in their attempts to record our new episode, and it's not done for this week. So instead, you get a classic, in fact, episode number one of Nerd Canon. Uh, just going back, it's a little bit less quality because we've upgraded since then and we don't have all the little bits and bobs that we've put in since then but it's still a lot of fun hope you enjoy Welcome to our first episode of Nerd Canon. I'm Beth. And I'm Paul. <laughs> this is a podcast where two nerdy librarians look at pop culture cornerstones from their childhood and decide if they are good enough to be shared with the next generation. We're going to be talking about things from our childhood, which means it's old stuff, which means everything is spoiled. Literally everything is a spoiler. Yes. Okay. So today's topic... We like swearing. We love it. We fucking love it. Um, so today's topic, uh, today's thing that we've watched to dissect is Clue, the movie Clue, debuted at December 13th in 1985. It was directed by Jonathan Lynn. It was written by John Landis and Jonathan Lynn. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 61% fresh and an 86% audience score. Paul, do you know what the Rotten Tomatoes numbers mean? The first number is like the critic. Yeah. Or, yeah. I didn't know that. I had to Google it. <laughs> well, yeah. it says it on the site, but I never, I don't know. Everyone has always said those numbers and like they mean something and they didn't mean anything to me until I looked it up. So if they don't mean anything to you, 61% fresh means that was what the critics said and 86% is what, you know, bitches like us say. This It stars Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, and more. It initially received mixed reviews and did... Kind of met at the box office, grossing 14.6 million in the U.S. against a budget of 15 million, but it has since developed a considerable cult following. I'm in the cult. Yeah, me too. The Clue cult. Um, <laughs> so Clue, if you haven't seen it yet, you should probably stop listening, go see it, and then come back and listen to our delightful podcast. But um, it is a dark comedy spoof of McCarthy era paranoia. It is based on a Parker Brothers game. It's one of the it's the first movie ever to be based on a game. And the setting is on a dark and stormy night. Six guests are anonymously invited to a strange mansion for dinner. But after their host is killed, they must cooperate with the staff to identify the murderer as the bodies pile up. It was unique in that the theatrical screenings audience would be shown one of three endings. Today, when you watch it, all three endings are included in the home media release. And if you watch it streaming somewhere, they're all included. Um, so ending A, ending B as possible endings, and ending C as how it actually occurred. Paul, I have some fun facts. Do you want to hear some fun facts? Yes. Okay. So Carrie Fisher was originally in talks to play Miss Scarlet. Um, a little step down. You think so? I I do love Carrie, Carrie Fisher, but I, I, I love the cast. It is hard to imagine anyone else. Yes. Each character's car that they arrive in is based on the same color as their game piece, but their costuming is, like, the opposite on the color wheel. Um, okay, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After production, the mansion in which it was filmed was bought, redecorated, and used for the set of Dynasty. And John Cleese was considered for the role of Wadsworth. See? So that, I mean, I love John Cleese, but, like... Yeah. Whoa, Tim Curry. So let's start talking about it. So, Paul, what was your experience with Clue before 
we rewatched it to make this podcast. So I have seen Clue maybe three times, a couple times as a kid, and then once as a rewatch because it's so good. But I remember when I was a kid watching this and being amazed. I never saw it in the theater or anything, but I was amazed that, that it went through different endings. And as a little kid, that blew my mind that it was like, oh, here's a thing. And then I was like, no, here's a different ending. Right. But then here's a third ending. And somehow it didn't make sense to me as a little kid that you that could a story do could be that, told that way. That you could like that they backed up and did something and like I guess maybe I didn't understand film editing. Like I thought it was just <laughs> right. all one continuous <laughs> shot all the time. Right. Like you would just film a movie from start to end. And right. Clue having multiple endings blew my mind. Also, I love board games and the fact that this is a board game movie. Like I already love it. Did you play Clue a lot as a kid? Oh yeah. Yep. Um, um I, never I had forgotten it. until this rewatch that there were so many dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> there is quite a high body count. And um, I was thinking, yeah. you know, when I started watching this, I was like, oh yeah, so Mr. Body's going to die clearly. Right. I remember that. And right. then all these other people are dying. That just drop left and right. Yeah. I um, totally forgot about the singing telegram girl. Yeah, yeah. So my experience of it was that I watched it a ton, uh, both as a kid and as an adult. I'm a big movie rewatcher. Um, when I'm working on projects or doing things around the house, I like to have things on um, that are familiar to me and that feel cozy and enjoyable to me. And so this is one of those for me. I've watched it eight bajillion times and I knew I loved it. But I will also say that for some of those movies that I've rewatched a million times, um, they're sort of on as background noise and I haven't watched them with a thoughtful eye. Yeah, that's true. So I, when I started, you know, when I watched it to do the podcast, I, you know, didn't do anything else and I put it on and I took actual notes. So let's talk about the notes. So this is the first actual DVD I've watched in years. <laughs> Beth was nice enough to send me a brand new in the box shrink wrapped clue movie. Because I have more than one is, is that, is that story. <laughs> it's so much more of a pain than just watching it. It's not currently streaming on anything I have access to streaming on. Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon Prime, obviously, but it was streaming on Netflix up until recently. And yeah, I watched that. it when it was streaming on Netflix yeah. and now it's gone. It's so sad. But DVDs are a pain in the ass. And also DVD menus. That used to be a thing. Yes, and they would have very distinct versions of some of the music that would repeat. Mm -hmm. I yeah. um I enjoyed the little magnifying glass pointer. Oh, that's the cursor is a magnifying glass. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Uh, Navigating through DVD menus is hella clunky. I don't ever remember it being like a smooth experience. Nope. nope. <laughs> but also, like if I buy a digital movie now with extra features they just play at the end of the movie and it's dumb are you an extra features kind of guy i am an extra features kind of guy i i feel that i have not explored the have you watched the, the clue theatrical trailer that is on yeah. the dvd yeah because yeah. it's really good it is really good that's the only <laughs> extra feature on this dvd <laughs> <laughs> bonus feature <laughs> i'm the kind of guy who watched like all 4,600 hours of the Lord of the Rings special well, features. Well, me too, but 
I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, and you know, I think for a few movies I've watched the like, what is it when they have the person read, like talk along with it, the like actors and the, well, you know what I'm talking about? The commentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like talking along with it? Yeah. yeah. No, I've never, <laughs> not really done that very much. Yeah. I've never done it, but I have heard that Robert Pattinson's commenting on the Twilight movie is just bagging on the movie the whole time, and it's, like, real funny. <laughs> that might be worth watching. I've never <laughs> seen the Twilight right, like, movies. That seems like it would be funny. <laughs> okay, I, like, I don't know. I had so many impressions just of the beginning, and it reminded me of how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first, one of my first notes is, why is the car stopped? It's frightened. Like, <laughs> just, there's some really good lines in this movie yeah i was happy with the movie two minutes in when tim curry showed up yeah i do prefer tim curry with an afro or crazy makeup or both or horns oh but... so fucking okay then with my tim curry note yes was that rocky horror picture show was 10 years before this oh wow And yeah and he looks like a baby yeah and this, he looks so young. He's, you know, clean shaven and he's got this like short hair. He just looks so youthful. Like it's bonkers. And I, I have a huge boner for Tim Curry and every incarnation, like Rocky Horror. I love him in Labyrinth. I fucking love him as Cardinal Richelieu in the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Treasure him. Island. Yep. Yep. Um, I just love him so much and I love everything about, yeah, the whole beginning with him coming in and the, <laughs> They're like, what do you think about the, like, running gag of the stepping in dog shit and they all keep smelling it and looking yeah. at their face when they come so, in? Okay, this is part of what I thought was actually really good about the movie was that there's all these, like, little casual jokes and gags that run through uh, it, but it's still a murder mystery movie. And it right. it walks on that line so well. Of, it really is, like, almost ridiculously slapsticky in parts. Yes. and yet And yet so... Here, fall into my arms, and he holds his arms out in a big old circle, and she just falls right through. Yes, like, so good that he sits on the table during his big, um, during Tim Curry's big reveal, and he just crashes the table, and everyone looks at him for one second and goes back to the story. Like there are a lot of those slapsticky moments, yeah, that well, are really he, well done. Tim Curry is going through the whole like who did what thing at the end of the movie. Oh, yes, it's total slapstick. It's the whole thing yeah. is slapstick, but it's also the reveal of like who right. killed somebody. It, it just, it works perfectly. Right. I agree. My like next, my second note is that Madeline Kahn is a fucking dream. <laughs> I love her so much. I'm not and... into her until the end of the movie. What's that? I'm not into her until the end oh of the movie. Oh my God. No, for me, for me. The first moment when she walks in and she opens up her coat and you get that flash of brilliant white on the inside of her black coat. I love her. I just, <laughs> for minute one, I am enamored. And then all the way through, um, I don't know how much in order we want to go, but like, yeah. she has some quality fucking lines. She does. Why is there men are most vulnerable? <laughs> I <laughs> love it. And she's so men are men should be like tissues. Like she just has so yeah, many good lines. And then I will also say this, both the Madeline Khan character and Miss Scarlet, like I enjoyed the amount of casual sexuality that they displayed. I felt like maybe I don't remember like so this is like playing on the McCarthy era like time period and women were probably not as overt 
and their sexuality. At that time, I know this was made in the 80s, but um, I liked how in control of their sexuality they felt. You know, Mrs. White has reportedly had, has had all these husbands and maybe killed them. And, you know, Miss Scarlett has, you know. Uh, wait, a minute, wait a minute, back up. I don't think yep. killing your husband is part of your sexuality. No, no, no. I'm saying they have these relationships with a lot of men and it seems like they, I don't know. Uh, no, it's not part of your sexuality. I agree with you, but. I, <laughs> I just, um, I don't, I don't know. Don't be like, women, rise up and kill your husbands. No, no, no. That's certainly not the message that I, <laughs> she didn't do it. She keeps, she keeps saying allegedly. <laughs> That's but true. then the best part of her in all of it is names on the side of my face. I hated her <laughs> so much. It's so good. It's it one is. of my favorite gifts to send. I love it. I love that so much. See, you have to wait till the end of the movie for that. Yeah. Okay. That's her best. That's the best line. It is the best line. I also love when they're trying to figure out. So how, I don't know how much you want to jump around. Like what other know. notes do you have? I went mostly in order, but I had a big chunk where I just was like, I just want to watch this movie. I know, I know. Um, how about um, low points then? Because I have a couple low points. I think Mr. Body is terrible. Mr. Body's not great, but he dies pretty quick. So that's, that's the, the thing. Well, at least that. we get rid of him and he's just a prop for the rest of the movie. You know what? Like, do you feel, and I don't know if this is because I've watched it a thousand times and I know that he dies right away, but he doesn't feel like part of the group like at no. all. I and mean, maybe that's intentional, but also because he's just not up to their level. No, he's not. The rest of them are so good yeah. and like just they're so like snappy and, and on par with each other and and he's definitely not on their level. No, he's not. Leave, oh, I yeah. looked him up at leaving. Mm-hmm. Right? Leaving. <laughs> Is it supposed to be a, a pun? But he I, he has like no credits that I really. No, so is he like a weird Easter egg? Like, is he? Because he dies? Like, he, is that no, like he a has a bunch show? of credits, just not like. Not anything good. Oh, and I had he was like a made up person. He's a made up person. Like, that's it's a, a it's total fun. weird yeah, meta that thing. Way more fun. <laughs> that's, that's it. We're going to make an Easter egg for a million years in the future when everyone knows everyone who is in a movie at <laughs> the touch of their fingertips. Right. No, he's, he's like nothing that he was in one episode of Who's the Boss. Oh, perfect. Mm hmm. Well, we'll have to make sure that that's the episode we watch when we watch Who's the Boss. So, maybe he is a weird Easter egg. He is a made-up person leaving. He was bad. Also, Yvette's French accent was just abysmal. Like, almost racist. Yeah. It's bad. She was um, definitely not cast for her ability to do a French accent. She was not cast for her ability to do a French accent. And right. I was telling Paul that I read that she was cast because she, in fact, wore a French maid uniform to her audition. And they were like, oh, hey, girl. And huge tracks of land. Casting. Huge tracks of land. Yeah. Paul would really like to talk about her cleavage. I mean, it we is could talk about that for the next considerable. Also, is Christopher Lloyd in this movie? Christopher Lloyd is really understated in this movie. He is. He doesn't, like, maybe it's because of the other, like, Tim Curry takes more control of the scenes, but. I feel like, for me, the standouts are Tim Curry and then Miss Scarlett and Miss White. Like, yeah. I don't feel that the other men are as notable. No. I don't know. Christopher Lloyd's whole, roast, whole role in this movie seems to be to look at 
Yvette's cleavage. Like there's all these shots of right. him like looking down yes. at her. I do like the out? point at which he, her decolletage. <laughs> no, <laughs> what kind of shirt You're is she welcome. wearing? She's got a uniform on. Presumably she's wearing a push-up bra of some kind. I don't know push-up bra technology in 1985 was, but <laughs> perhaps she was just naturally endowed with extremely gravity-defying breasts. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel that there was some sort of... Miss Scarlet also has quite a bit of... I, I definitely feel that she has on some sort of boning or some sort of shapewear underneath that dress. Her figure is incredible um, for that time. And I just, that's, I love that silhouette. I love the 80s silhouette of women. That was a little bit before we got super, super skinny. And um, I just think she looks phenomenal. And yeah, her dress is super low cut too. There yeah. had to have been some double-sided tape employed there yeah. because there's a lot of running around mm-hmm. and for a boob to not slip out. Well done. <laughs> so do we um, cover that whole thing? Is that are, can we can we check cleavage off the list? Is it covered? <laughs> I think we're good. Okay. Um I will say too, the costuming, yeah. So just to kind of continue on with that, like she has the a costuming great coat. Out. She wears a coat in the beginning that she walks in with this giant thing around her head. Do you Miss Scarlet? Mrs. Oh yes, yes, yes. And then it's she like takes it off and we towel. never see it again. Right. They, they all kind of walk in with great outerwear. And yeah. Mrs. Peacock, I love her fucking outfit. I love it so much. And fun fact that her hat that she wears is has peahen feathers in it, and that's a female peacock. Mm-hmm. And the colors, as I said before, they're kind of opposite. So, like, her colors are, like, orange and gold, which is opposite of, like, kind of the blue and green. I also, back to that headpiece that she's wearing, there's a part where she's delivering lines and it's in her face and she keeps fucking with it and it is my favorite she's so annoyed by it and she just keeps like fucking like she can't stop yelling and long enough to fix it and it's so good and it makes me wonder like if that was just really happening or Mm -hmm. if it was a purpose um but it was perfect it seems like one of those things that just happened and they were like let's keep that in and she just did so well with it. Like, right. it just was so, so good. Who cares about the guy? Let him stay locked up for half an hour. Like, she just had such good, crazy yelling inflections. I love her so much. I love what's-his-pants smacking the shit out of her. <laughs> I had to stop the screaming. Um, She just has really good reactions, too. If you watch her face, like, whenever anyone else is saying anything sort of risque, she just looks just properly mortified. She just keeps up that, like perfect society wife routine go it's yeah. very good to me see i think not only is this movie good it's also good to rewatch because there's always like six people on the screen yes that you could be watching there's so many different things to watch there's right. so many different things happening and it's basically all of them on screen for the whole movie just about like you could be watching their different reactions and i, I think i said to you like i don't know when you get to the end and Tim Curry's rushing around and revealing yeah. how it was all done, you're kind of just like, this is awesome. You don't really care if it actually holds together. And I think like in, in terms of the murder mystery, in terms mean? of like, do all the clues make sense? Does all the sequence make sense? Does it actually like if I right. went back and rewatched this, I have figured out at no point do I even give a shit who the murder is exactly. when I'm watching it. I'm just enjoying it. No, um, you were saying like noticing new things like this is 
legitimately the bajillionth time I watched this and I noticed a new quip and I wrote, I was all excited that I hadn't noticed it before. So when they're like pulling Mr. Body's body back into the room and they're kind of all arguing and they're all jammed in the doorway and, you know, she's like, well, we should have made sure that he was dead. And Mrs. Peacock really low under her breath is like, how by cutting off his head? <laughs> she just looks yes. at him and is like, that was uncalled for. <laughs> it's so good. And like, I don't know how I never heard that exchange before, but mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. The dagger will go further into a back. Like they're the, that accent's really bad. That's it all in that really, thing. See, <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> And but she only she doesn't have that many lines. <laughs> yeah, every so that's why I was like every time she has a line that's really really bad, then Tim Curry like saves the scene. <laughs> yes, it's true because <laughs> he does something awesome. Right. Sometimes there are things in a movie that happen that aren't that important or impactful in the movie or in the plot, but they like stick with you for whatever reason. And that singing telegram. Girl has always. You said you forgot about I her. I totally forgot. I don't understand the point. I mean, it's funny. I guess it's just a quick right. gag. Like, well, and because every time the doorbell rang, like, I, maybe they just wanted to have more body count, like, for yeah. the different endings. But fun fact: the singing telegram girl is Jane Wideland from the Go Go's. So she's the um, rhythm guitarist from the Go Go's. Uh, but that stupid song that she sings, da dun da dun dun dun. I am the singing telegram, whatever that song. I, for some reason, think of that all the time, and I sing it to myself all the time. And it's a totally dumb thing that has, for whatever reason, stuck with me quite a bit. So here's what's well. First of all, do, so they bring her. Do you remember when they bring her body in? I forget. It's like Mr. Green and one of the other men carrying her. I don't at, recall. At like I don't know. shoulder height, they're carrying her and they bring her in to whatever the room is. I forget which room is which. The room where Mr. Body is. Yeah, the room where they're now collecting the bodies. I think it's right. the study. The study. And they just, they look, they're like carrying her in and they look at each other and they shrug and they just drop her from like shoulder height <laughs> onto the yes. floor. Like just. Whatever. At this point, at this point, they're like, whatever, another dead body. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? And it's just like those little. It's such little things. It just makes it. Yeah, I don't know. it's so good. Um, um, I liked that there was a lot of um, little pedantic like arguments with each other about ways people were talking. No meaning. Yes. No meaning. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, and then um, I think he meant that she he threatened in public to kill her. Like there just was a lot of that little bit of like. Um, verbal slapstick, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, that I also liked. What sticks to me, or what has stuck to me, I, I don't know exactly where the genesis of this in my life was, but it could have been Clue. And certainly Clue cemented it, which is that I have always had a love affair with secret passages. And I think... Um, that's because they're awesome. I think some of that is reading a lot of fantasy books when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. like castles and secret passages and that whole thing. But man, I like I've always w- wished to have a house with a secret passage of some variety. Yes. I mean, I, I still harbor some secret desire in the my heart of hearts that one day I'm going to live in a castle somewhere. Sure, well, and I'm not, I'm not I'm where we live. quite old <laughs> enough to realize that that's not going to happen. Like to right. to really confront that truth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but man, I wish I had secret passages in my house. Where would be the best secret passage? 
Oh, it doesn't matter. Every room to every room. And then <laughs> secret rooms. And well, I definitely want a secret room. Ladders, zip lines yeah. in the in the hall or in the walls. I don't know. Whatever you got, I will put it in my All house. Of it. All of it. I'm I'm into it. Um the I did read that the secret passages in the film are the same as the ones that are on the board game, or at least the board game. Oh, itself. really? Okay. Yeah. So that would not have been a thing I would have even thought they would have paid attention to. Right. But like which rooms go to which rooms, I guess, are the same. This might I did be not the... play that game very much as a kid. Um, I didn't have other kids around my age in my family, so I didn't like get to play a lot of like kid games. I'm sure somebody played Candyland with me, but I didn't play a lot of those games. And so I always, I always thought Clue seemed so fascinating because like I've been a creep since I was a baby and I love all sorts of dark and spooky things, but Mm -hmm. um, I never really played Clue very much is my point. And I always kind of wish. Why are we not playing Clue? It's not that fun as an adult. (laughs) As with most things. That's not true. There's plenty (laughs) of fun board games for adults, but Clue is not necessarily one of them. It's too easy as an adult. Gotcha. I would say Clue might be the only good board game-based movie. Tell me about other board game-based movies. There's a Battleship movie that's pretty pretty abysmal. This is by far the oldest. It was the first. Do we have other notes? Yeah. So, the chief, Howard Hesseman, or Hesseman? Yeah. I was trying to figure out where I knew him, him from. And it's definitely Head of the Class. Did you ever watch that show? No. Head of the Class, 80s sitcom. Like I've heard like, of it. Yeah, I've never watched it. He's a teacher. He was in a bunch of random other stuff too, but that's, I was like, oh yeah, that was a show that happened. Um, <laughs> here is another thing I want to get your perspective of. Oh, great. It's 1985. Yeah. The movie is supposed to be about the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. And Mr. Green's big secret is that he's gay. Yes, yes. So, I I like how he awkwardly stands up and gives like a little speech about it, and then no he one has himself. To he say. says he's going to out himself so that he he's not outed when Tim Curry's going through everybody's right. di- dirty laundry, right? I like how he says, "I feel no personal shame about this fact, but I would lose my job." Right. So that's why I paid. So that was definitely like the reality of the time that. You know, you could lose your job or have a lot of real consequences. Of the 50s or of the 80s, though? The 50s. So then how – so we also have to look at this through the lens of what it was like in the 80s. I will – I also noticed that he sits back down and Christopher Lloyd gets up and walks away immediately. Like doesn't want to be snuggling. He doesn't want to be snuggling on the couch with him anymore. (laughs) He gets up and walks away. And they also use it as – some cheap gags. They do use it as a gag with he doesn't want to be paired up with Yvette. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys are like drooling over the idea of being paired up with Tits McGee and he does not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. And it turns out he's not actually gay. In only one of the endings though, right? Well, so, but on the, I guess if you went to the theatrical release, you would only have seen one of the three endings. Sure. But if you watch it on the video, it does ending one. Yeah. And then it shows the little, like, card across the screen. Right. Or maybe it happened like this. And then the final one is given, but here's how it really happened. Correct. As if that's the definitive ending. Yeah. Not just one of three. So I don't know. Okay. Right. Up for debate. Yeah. I didn't think – so sometimes when I watch something 
that was made even as recently as like 10 years ago, I find the treatment of the gay character really icky and really problematic. I didn't feel, at least for me, I didn't feel like it was so over the top that I felt really uncomfortable about it. I didn't, yeah, it didn't, it didn't really bother me a ton. I think it could, I guess this is not a great thing to say. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, they could have really, no one really emasculated him. No. I didn't think at any point. So my impression was that it was dealt with in an okay way for 1985. Yeah. But I guess the whole point of what we're doing is also to say, does this hold up now? Right. So. It's even still, I think, a reason why some people would pay a blackmailer. Not nearly mm-hmm. as many people as, you know, in the 80s, but. And I guess, to be honest, you could still lose your job. You could, depending on different things. And, you which know. Is dumb, which is terrible, which is. Which is awful. And I don't want to get, you know, but like it's, you know, becoming something that's even more increasingly a concern in the current political climate. Like it's a concern, but. Um, I didn't find the treatment of it specifically problematic. And if I was going to show it to someone now, a kid now, I wouldn't feel that I needed to, like, talk about it or explain it a ton yeah. in the sense of, like, we don't talk about people that way anymore. Like, I don't think I would need to do that Right. for this. Certainly there are other gay characters in movies in the 80s that I would feel I would need to be like, so listen, that really wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wasn't stereotypical, you know what I mean? He didn't. Really, other than not wanting to be paired with Yvette, he didn't really embody any of those things that we come to see as the really cheap shorthand stereotypes for gay men. He wasn't like lispy and dancing around and, you know, he wasn't any less brave than the rest of them. I mean, there's that whole scene where they don't want to go up the stairs, but everyone is afraid. Everyone is afraid when they're searching. So I didn't think it was problematic. Okay. I would, I would buy that. I would, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd, so ultimately, anything else? Cause. No. We could just gush about the movie for the next 20 minutes. I know. We really liked it. I was happy to say that upon, yeah, closer watching it this time as I really was like being thoughtful about watching it, I only found more things that I liked about it. Yeah. So that was my experience of rewatching it this time. The other cool thing is like, there aren't really any complicated special effects. There aren't really like complicated shots that they were trying to do. It's in one house for the most yeah. part and a little bit of outside. There's nothing that, that really ages. It's already set in the past. It's already supposed to be in the 1950s. Right. So all this stuff makes sense. It's not supposed to be a modern time. Right. I love the version of those songs that they play. Shaboom, shaboom. Oh, that one yeah, yeah, yeah. Play when they're like um pretending that it's still a party for the cop's sake. Right. Um I love those those versions. I think those are really good. The weekend of Bernie's moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weekend of Bernie's makeout. Yeah. <laughs> makeout edition. <laughs> yeah. So like I think Perfect. that there's there's nothing in the movie that really shows a lot of age. And even though it's you know, in terms of you like you can watch a movie from thirty years ago and be like, Oh, right. None of this actually looks well, realistic. communism is a red herring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it it all, it holds together really well. Yeah, I agree. I think it really holds up. So many good performances. 
Yeah. So, Paul, does it go in your nerd canon? It, it definitely does. It definitely goes in mine as well. This is one of my very favorites. And I guess we should say too, this was not like we planned to have one that we were going to start with that was a home run because it was total random chance that we even put this on the list. Right. We, um, so I guess, yeah, maybe let's take a minute to talk a little bit about that. So our idea with this is to, for each of us to, um, examine some of these things that were popular, either things that we liked or things that we knew were popular at the time. Maybe both of us liked them. Maybe only one of us was into them. Um, and we're going to try to re-experience them and see if we think they're good enough to, I guess, go in our nerd canon, what we're going to show our kids, what we think it's important for a nerd to know. We each will have our own opinion on all the things that we that we're looking at. We wanted to pick something that was sort of well-known as our first one, but I don't know that either. I mean, I knew I loved it, but I didn't know that if you like, we're going to like it as much. Oh yeah. I think I, the only reason I put this on is because I was looking at something else and it came up as a, like a, you might also like clue. Right. 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 So I randomly um, put it on the list and Beth screamed. And then I did. That's the thing I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love it. So I'm glad that we started off on one that we both really liked. So this goes in the canon for both of us. Any final thoughts, Paul? When's the next Tim Curry movie we're going to watch? I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, there's so many good ones. Can we watch Labyrinth? And I, or no, not. Labyrinth um, is not. The, that's blasphemy. Not Labyrinth. I know. Labyrinth I, think I, I will it, watch. That's not I think Curry. I said it wrong. You want to watch Legend? I think I said it wrong up at the top, too, when I was talking about the different Tim Curry movies. You said Legend. Okay. Legend. Because that's what I mean. I want to. Bo- all right. Let's not talk about how I want to bone all the versions of Tim Curry for a second time. <laughs> um, we can talk about it next time we watch the Tim Curry one. I have never okay. seen it all the way through. I know, because you're a security cat. No, it's because I've only seen it's pieces. Good. Is it because it's not good? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not I good. Never, I never went back to it. Thank you for listening. Uh, we would like to thank Joe Costanza for our theme song. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at NerdCanon or find us on Instagram at NerdCanonPodcast. If you have ideas about things that we should look at from the 80s and 90s, things that were near and dear to your childhood, let us know. Till next time. Keep the nerd alive.